Welcome to the Wise Crone Cottage Podcast with storyteller Kathy Shimpock. Here we'll meet the crone and uncover her wisdom as found in fairy tales, folk tales, and myths. For it is true that stories, as it is with many people, become better as they grow older. Know that no matter how difficult your journey has been through the magical forest, the wise crone always opens her door to you. In this episode, I will tell you the story of Godfather Death. It's a tale recorded by the Grimm brothers in the 1800s. I will then share a new version of this story, one that is placed in the Middle Ages. In doing so, I hope we'll both learn something about gender and history. A great while ago, when the world was full of wonders. The story Godfather Death was reported by the Grimm brothers in 1812. It is one of several similar stories found throughout Europe. My version is taken from both the Grimm version and an Austrian tale entitled Dr. Ersenbeck, Physician of Death. The Grimm brothers cite two different endings to this tale in the annotations of their story. In one, Godfather Death actively causes the death of his godson. In the other version, he simply gives him a warning. This reflects the two views of death found in the Middle Ages. The first shows death as an instrument of the devil, capriciously and maliciously killing people. The second sees death as a force of nature, as inevitable as gravity. It is something to be faced and accepted. As you hear my telling, you'll discover which of these two views I favor. But now, a story. Not in my time, not in your time, but in the wise crone's time. There once was an old man who lived in a shoe. He had so many children, he didn't know what to do. This is a story about a man who had Twelve children. When his wife told him that she was pregnant with the thirteenth child, he was distraught. He had no idea what to do. They were barely making ends meet. They lived in a small one-room house. He worked every hour he could possibly work, and yet he brought home so little that most of the time the children went hungry. What was he going to do with another mouth to feed? He pondered for quite some time, and then he had an idea. He needed to find a godfather for the unborn child. If he could find a godfather, perhaps there would be someone to spend time with the child, to provide some support and food and money to help raise the child. It was his only idea. But sadly, he didn't know anyone to be the godfather for this child. There was no one to do it. All of his friends and family were equally as poor as he was, and so the only thing he could do was to go up the hill to where all the roads crossed to look and see if he could find anyone that he might meet there who would agree to take on this role. 
And that's what he did. He woke up early in the morning, made his way out of his house, walked down the road until he climbed up on a hill and could look out in four directions, watching travelers come everywhere. Soon the sun began to rise, and the light poured down so brightly he had to close his eyes. And when it had finally settled and he could open his eyes, he saw before him a man, a man with a a long white beard and long white hair dressed in flowing white robes, and there was a, a light all around him. He had no idea who this man was. And he looked at him, confused, and the man said, Hello, my son. I heard your cry. I am here to be the godfather for your unborn son. I, um, I don't know how you know all of this. I heard you, he said. I heard you crying out to me, and so I've agreed. I will be the godfather for your child, and I will see that he grows to be a righteous man, a good man, a man that helps others, who is loved. Well, that sounds pretty good, the man said, uh, but who are you? Well, my child, I am God. I heard your prayer. God, God, God wants to be the godfather for my unborn child? Yes, yes, I will do that. And the man thought and puzzled and puzzled for a while, and suddenly a frown came upon his face, and he said, no, 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 this will not work. Nothing about this works. You, you give to the rich, and continue giving to the rich and the poor. We suffer. No, you cannot be the godfather to my child. And he was gone. Now the man sat on the hill, looking out around him. No one came. And soon it was high noon, and the sun was pouring down. It was beginning to get really hot, and he looked out, and then all of a sudden he saw a black chariot moving fast in his direction, being pulled by four black horses. Well, the chariot made its way up the hill and stopped right in front of him. The door opened and out came a man, tall, dressed all in black, with black hair and black eyes. And he looked at the man and said, Hello, are you still looking for a godfather for your child? Uh, yeah, I am. The man said, Excellent. I am here to volunteer. I will be the 
perfect godfather for your son. I will see that he achieves fame and fortune and riches and anything he desires. Power. The man thought, and he said, "Well, that." Sounds very good.、Uh, who are you? Ah,、oh. well, let me see. What name do you know me as best? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, yes. I think the name you know me by is Satan. 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 Satan wants to be the godfather for my child. You no no ooh, no you you cause havoc wherever you go, havoc and destruction and sadness and no 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 be gone Satan. And he disappeared. Well, the man sat back down and he waited throughout the day, and no other traveler came by. It was just about. The time to go home. The sun was setting when he heard a sound—a tap, 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 tap—and he looked, and he could see coming slowly up the hill, an old man with a cloak drawn over his head, and he slowly made his way until he stopped right at the top of the hill. Are you still looking for a godfather for your child? Yes, yes, I, I am. I would do it. I will do it. Ah, well, okay. Um, I, I don't know. What do you have to offer him or her? Well. I will see that the child grows to be a great healer. He will be known throughout the land, and he will help many, and he will be rewarded for his service.、Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that idea. Who, who are you? Ah, well, I am Death. Death. Death wants to be the godfather for my child. Yes, I will do so. Well, let me see. Let me see. Well, death comes to the rich and comes to the poor and to women and men and young and old. Yes, 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 yes. I think you would be the perfect godfather for my child. And so it was decided, and it wasn't long after that that the babe was born. And sure enough, it was a boy. And truth to be told, Godfather Death was an excellent godfather. He visited on all the holidays and birthdays. He provided support to the family, spent time with the child. And as the child grew, he began to educate him on the ways of healing, learning about the herbs, 
that could be used to remove illness. And one day, when the boy was grown, Godfather Death took him deep into the forest and showed him a very special herb. It was an herb that you could give to someone who was dying that would bring them back to life. And Godfather Death said, Ah, well, this herb can change someone who is dying and bring them back to life. But you must know this. And when you go into the room, look for me. You will see. If I am at the head of the bed, then you can offer your patient the herb, and they will come back to life. But if I am at the foot of the bed, then you must go. There is nothing to be done. They belong to me. Oh, okay, Godfather. I I understand that, and that is what I will do. Well, things went well for quite some time, and the young man grew to be a wise and trusted doctor, helping many people with all the wisdom that he had learned from Godfather Death. One day, the king called him to the palace, and when he got there, he saw that the king was lying on the royal bed, hot and feverish and moaning in pain. And when the doctor looked around the room, ah, he saw Godfather Death at the foot of the bed. So he said, Your Highness, I'm, I'm so sorry you didn't call me earlier. If you would call me, I might have been able to help you. But there is no hope for you now. I, I am so very sorry, but I must leave. No, please, no, the king cried. Please come over here to my bed. Let me talk to you. You see, I have a young daughter. She can't be left alone. She needs me. Please, please, if you only will try, if you can only help me, I will give you half of my kingdom. Ooh, half of the kingdom. Well, without even thinking, the doctor took a hold of the bed and flipped it so the head was at the foot and the foot was at the head and gave the king the herb and he got better. Godfather Death was very angry. And when he left the room, he took him by the shoulders and he said, I told you no. I told you what to do. There is a rhyme. There is a reason. There is a time. There is a place. And you cannot change it. Do you understand me? There will be a consequence. Uh, yeah, yes, I, I, I'm so sorry. I was just tempted. It was just a lapse of judgment. I just don't know why I did that. I, I certainly won't ever do it again. Ah, see that you don't. But it wasn't long afterward before the doctor 
was brought back to the palace. For you see, the princess got that same mysterious illness. And when the doctor entered into the room, there at the foot of her bed was Godfather Death. Oh, no, oh, no, the doctor said. Oh, I can see from over here. She is beyond hope. She is beyond help. I must go. I cannot help. I can do nothing. I must leave now. And the king walked over to him, and he grabbed a hold of his hands, and he got down on his hands and knees, and he said, Please, please, she is my love. She is my my darling daughter. Please, please help her. Just look at her face. She is so beautiful. If you will heal her, I will give you her hand in marriage. And so the doctor looked at the girl. Mm. She was so lovely, his heart filled with love for her. And then, without thinking, he took a hold of the bed and flipped the head to the foot and the foot to the head. He gave her the herb and she got better. But this time, Godfather Death drug him by the hand out of the palace, out of the village, far into the forest where there was another castle that was crumbling before them and they climbed down, 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 down until they entered into a large dungeon cave and filled in the room were thousands and thousands and thousands upon thousands of candles burning in the darkness. Oh, 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 Godfather, Godfather Death, I, I am sorry, I am sorry, and I appreciate you taking me here to this place, but I must go. I must go. I have half of a kingdom to run and a marriage to plan. So you see, uh, today is not a good day to explore this cave. Ah, the king is dead, and the princess is not far behind. There is no kingdom for you, and no marriage to prepare for. What? What? What do you mean? Oh, I, I don't understand. I told you there is a time and a place and a rhyme and a reason, and you cannot change it. What is this place I've taken you to? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. If I told you this was life, what would you think? Well, let's see. Maybe, maybe the big candles, the big tall candles that have a really strong flame. Maybe, they're the candles representing the, the young, a young person. It's their candle. Uh, sometimes. And, 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 and the, the candles that are almost burned out where the flame is flickering, that would be the candle for an old person, right? Uh, sometimes. Well, well, what I want to know is, where's my candle? Where is my candle? You know, I, I want to see it. No, 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 that's not allowed. Uh, you, you owe me this. I, I, I'm your, I'm your 
Godson, you must, you must show me where my candle is. Godfather Death pointed in the corner of the room, and there on a single small table was a saucer. The candle was just a pool of wax, and the flame was sputtering. No, 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 no. That can't be my candle. Oh, I, I know it can't be. Where, where's another candle? There must be another candle that I can light again, and that will be my candle. Where, where, where is it? I can't help you. Oh, oh, I must find a candle. I must find a candle. And so he searched throughout the cave until he finally found a candle that had never been used. And he went back and looked at the saucer with his candle flame almost out. And he took the new candle. And as he tried to relight it, Godfather Death cried out, No! And in that moment, he put the wick to the candle that was dying, and they both went out. And the doctor fell over dead. Godfather Death looked down at his godson. A tear trickled out of the corner of his eye. He picked up the candle and placed it on the table. It was only a few seconds before the flame began to burn again. As he left the room, you could hear him say, There once was an old man who lived in a shoe. Had so many children, he did not know what to do. I've told this story often. Over time, it began to bother me. For all the characters in the tale, other than the dying princes, are male. Did you ever notice that? How could a story have only male characters? I didn't know, but it never set right with me. I wondered if the Grimm brothers edited this tale. The earliest known version appeared in Germany in 1553, but it always seemed much older to me, perhaps several hundred years earlier during the time of the Black Death. It was a time of fear and social unrest, when death was personified and women, rather than men, were healers. In the Italian version, called The Just Man, there is a godmother death. Influenced by the Italian tale, I crafted this version with a crone taking the role of godmother death. I based it in the 1300s, when, I conjecture, the tale first arrived. There once was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children she didn't know what to do. This is a story of a poor woman who had 12 children. When she discovered she was pregnant with her 13th child, she was distraught. Her husband was dead and she was left alone to tend her young family. It was all she could do to eke out a living pushing a plow, tending the sheep, spinning wool into yarn, left her with little time for her growing brood. She couldn't possibly feed another mouth. What to do? What could she do? 
For several days, she sought the advice of others, but no one could help. She was left with her prayers and her tears. Then one day, she had an idea. I know, she said, this child needs a godmother. If I can only find a godmother, my child will have all the love and care she deserves. Sadly, she had no one in her family to volunteer, and all of her friends were as poor as church mice. There was only one thing left to do. She woke early the next morning and climbed to the top of the hill where all the roads crossed from four directions. Then she waited. It wasn't long before the sky was filled with light. It was so bright that she had to close her eyes. When she opened them again, she saw before her a beautiful woman. She had a crown on her head and a scepter in her hand, a white dove set on her shoulder. A golden light surrounded her. When she spoke, her voice was kind and loving. My child, she said, I felt your tears. I heard your prayers. I'm here to be the godmother for your unborn child. You are? the woman replied. Who are you? How did you know? I am a mother too, she answered. I am Mary, mother of the Christ child. I hear the cries of all mothers. Mary wants to be the godmother for my child? Yes, I will see that she grows to be righteous. She will act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with her God. Ah, yes, God. This is all about God, after all. You seem quite loving and kind, but that God is capricious at best. He gives more to the rich, and he lets the poor suffer. No, no, you cannot be the godmother for my child. And, poof, Mary disappeared. The poor woman continued to wait. It was noon, and the sun beat down upon her. She began to feel hot and weary. She was just about to stretch out for a nap when there was a rustling sound. She opened her eyes and saw before her a young, beautiful woman. The woman was naked, save for a few leaves, placed strategically on her body. Hello, daughter, the woman said. I wish to be the godmother for your child. I will see that your child remains curious and grows to enjoy life. She will be denied nothing and experience all the pleasures and treasures life has to offer. Now, doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you want that for your child? Just say yes, and it will be so. Hmm, you've given me a lot to think about. I've never experienced any pleasures. It would be nice for my child to have a different type of life. But who are you? How can I possibly be your child? Why, I'm Eve, the woman said. I was the first mother in this world and birthed all of humankind, you might say. You were Eve? 
Well, now, mm, I, I don't know. I don't know now at all. They say you cursed us. Childbirth is harder because of you. You tempted Adam, and the devil has your ear. No, you cannot be the godmother for my child. And poof, she disappeared. The rest of the day was uneventful. As the sun was beginning to set, the woman started to head home. She turned back when she heard a tapping. It was rhythmic, almost like the sound of a drum. She looked at the road below her and saw a tall but agile old woman dancing up the hill, tapping her cane in time with the steps. Woman, she said when she reached the top. Have you found a godmother yet for your unborn child? If not, I'd like to volunteer. I will see that she is trained to become a great healer. She will be wealthy and respected. She will help many. The old woman's face was weathered. Her eyes were dark and set deep in her head. There were wrinkles upon wrinkles on her skin. She looked as if she could be a hundred years old, and yet her body moved like a child's. I really like the sound of that, the woman replied. Can you tell me a bit more about who you are? She looked into the crone's face and for just a moment felt a shiver go down her spine. Uh, yes, of course. I am death, the old crone said matter-of-factly. Death? Death wants to be the godmother for my child? Yes, and as you know, I'm quite reliable and true to my word. I have much to teach and share with this child. Her gaze was open. She even appeared quite hopeful. Let me think. Death comes to the rich and the poor, the old and the young, man and woman alike. Mm, yes, that's certainly fair. Yes, yes, you can be the godmother to my unborn child. A girl child was born not long thereafter. True to her word, Godmother Death became a doting figure in the child's life. She saw that she was loved, supported, and protected in childhood. When she became a young woman, she apprenticed with her godmother, who taught her how to read. It was a skill rarely shared with women. The crone spent much time teaching her the ways of nature and life and about herbs and midwifery. One day, Godmother Death took her into the forest and showed her how to find a special herb. It was an herb that could bring someone back to life, from the very brink of death, in fact. Together, they used the herb to create a potion. Only a few drops were needed to work this miracle. Godmother Death said, When you go into the room, look first for me. If I am at the head of the sick person's bed, give them the potion, and they will recover. But listen carefully now. If I am at the foot of the bed, you can do nothing. This person belongs to me. I, I understand, the young healer said. All went well for quite some time. The reputation of the young healer grew and grew. She became wealthy and comfortable with her life. Although as the child of a poor widow woman, she was never able to marry a man her equal. One day, she was called to the queen's palace. 
The queen had come down with a mysterious illness. The court physician could do nothing, nor could any of the other doctors in the region. When the young healer entered the room, she saw the queen tucked in bed, feverish and moaning. Godmother Death was at her feet. She shook her head silently. I'm sorry, Your Majesty, the healer said. I can tell without even examining you that you are too sick for me to help. I'm sorry you didn't call me any earlier, but there is nothing I can do now. The queen motioned for her to come closer. She took the young healer's hands in hers and began to wail. Please, please help me, she said. I must live. I have a son who still needs a mother. Isn't there anything you can do? I will give you half of my queendom if only you will heal me. Well, the healer was young and born into a poor life. Without even thinking, she took hold of the bed and turned the head to the foot and the foot to the head. Godmother Death now found herself at the head of the bed. The girl gave the queen the potion, and she survived. As you might well imagine, Godmother Death was not very happy. She took the healer aside and began to lecture her about the ways of life and death. She told her there would be a consequence if she would continue to try to thwart death. Sadly, the young healer was too caught up with her newfound fortune to even listen. She just reassured Godmother Death that she understood when she hadn't heard a single word. It wasn't long before the young healer was called back to the palace. This time, the prince had the same mysterious illness. When she entered the room, she saw Godmother Death standing at the foot of the bed. She turned to go away, but the queen stopped her. I can't help, the healer said quietly. Sorry. The queen took her two hands and knelt before her. This is my only son. You must heal him. You may marry him if you can only bring him back to life. The healer looked at the prince. He wasn't bad looking, but she had no love for him. Then she thought about how differently her life would be as a princess. No one would look down at her for being a single woman. No one would look down at her from being born poor. She'd finally be able to fit in. Then quickly, before she could change her mind, she took hold of the headboard, turned the head to the foot and the foot to the head. She gave the prince the potion, and he sat up alert and very much alive. This time, Godmother Death drug her from the room. She struggled, but the old crone's bony hands had a strong grip on her. She led her out of town, into the forest, and finally to the ruins of an old castle. They climbed down the crumbling stair steps into a large room filled with thousands and thousands of candles burning and flickering in the darkness. Godmother Death, please let me go, she cried. I'm sorry, I don't have time for this today. I have a wedding to plan. Godmother Death laughed. <laughs> there is no wedding to plan and no kingdom to rule. The queen is dead, and the prince not long behind her. No! The healer screamed in pain. I told you there would be a consequence. 
This was their time to die. You only postponed it for just a moment. There is a time and a place and a rhyme and a reason. You might not understand it, but it can't be changed. The young healer continued to whimper. Do you know why I brought you here? The young woman simply shook her head. What if I told you this room, filled with all these candles, portrayed life on earth? As a healer, how might you explain it? Well, I guess the candles that are big and tall, the ones with bright flames, represent the lives of those young and healthy. Is that right? Sometimes. The the small candles with the flickering flames are for the old or the very ill. Is that right? Mm, Sometimes. The young healer's eyes begin to dart about the room. Where is my candle? Please show it to me, she said. I understand now. Please show me my candle. People are not meant to know about the length of their lifespan. Please, please, just this once, please show me my candle. Godmother Death pointed to the corner of the room where a solitary candle was placed on a small table. The candle, if you could still call it that, had burned until it was only a pool of wax with a flickering flame. This can't be my candle. How can this possibly be my candle? How can we fix this? What can we do? What about the potion? Godmother Death said nothing. There must be a new candle here somewhere. I'll light it from the old one, and then I'll have a nice long life. Godmother Death said, Listen to me. For once in your life, just listen to me. That is not advised. It will never work. I'm warning you. The young woman didn't listen. She frantically searched through the dark room until she found a candle never used. She rushed to the table, looked at her godmother defiantly, and tried to light the new candle from the old one. No! screamed Godmother Death. The candle went out. The young healer fell to the floor dead. Godmother Death looked at her goddaughter. A single tear fell from her eye. She sighed, picked up the new candle, and placed it on the table. Almost immediately, the candle was lit, its flame burning brightly. Godmother Death knew that somewhere there was a new child born into this world. Perhaps she would need a godmother. As she walked slowly from the ruins, you could hear her say, There was once an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. You may be wondering how I know these old stories, but that is a story for another day. The moral of the story is... I place my retelling in the 14th century due to the story's personification of death. The Black Death occurred during the mid to late 1300s. It impacted the lives of everyone, for over half the population died from this illness. Consequently, there were many widows and orphans left, who were simply trying to survive. Poor widows in the Middle Ages were especially vulnerable to economic misfortune. Sometimes they were forced to give their children to nobility to live, a choice that would condemn the child to indentured servitude. It's a choice women have had to make over the ages, placing their children in the hands of the wealthy or into orphanages rather than to starve. 
As you can see, finding a godmother was a much better option. The story also contains a political message. The woman rejected Mary as godmother due to the inequality of God. This was a theme that mirrored the social unrest of the time. There were fewer workers after the Black Death than before it. Peasant revolts began to occur due to unfair taxation. The serfs were finally able to bargain for their work, and class distinctions were slowly starting to unravel. The image of death as an equal opportunity killer, as one who does not discriminate, fits with the ideals of the peasantry. When I substituted the male characters for the female medieval characters, even more became clear. Here's what I discovered. I began by replacing God and the devil with the biblical characters of Mary and Eve. Medieval women were often compared and contrasted to Mary and Eve. Their view of woman as Eve reflected the misogyny of the Middle Ages. Finding Mary and Eve as characters in stories was common in hagiography. These biographical stories of the saints were more legend than history, filled with folktale motifs and common narratives. In fact, Mary replaced God in the Italian folktale, The Just Man. Death as a woman, while not common, was not unknown in the Middle Ages. Blogger Terry Windling identifies stories from Slovenia, Moravia, and Appalachia as having a godmother death. By the 1400s, churches were painted with the dance of death. These images showed skeletons taking people from all ranks to their grave. This included kings and popes. This image appears today in the common rider weight version of the death tarot card, an image common in the Middle Ages. Women were the first healers, and their role as midwives and physicians predominated in the early Middle Ages. However, with the rise of universities, that shifted to become the purview of men. By the 1500s, women healers were called witches and often tried for witchcraft. If this story is older than the 1500s, the doctor must have been a female healer. Now that you've heard both versions of the story, I wonder how shifting the gender of these characters and the time period might have changed your perception of the tale. Only you can answer that question. The crone's death highlights her role as teacher and mentor. She wisely accepts death as a natural part of life. She doesn't rush it, nor does she ignore it. Instead, she chooses to live each day in the present moment. To me, the crone is the more believable death, for the crone knows that each day is sufficient unto itself. And that is the moral of this story. It's a message for each of us, and an important one to remember, especially during a pandemic. The wise crone knows it's time for you to leave. Your journey home takes you back through the forest. It may at times be difficult, but no fear. Her final words to you are, Remember to stay on the path. Do not leave the path no matter what you see or experience. And so it was, and so it is. This is the storyteller Kathy Shimpak. This podcast is narrated by Linda Bennett. Music is The Snow Queen by Kevin McLeod at incompetent.com. Licensed under Creative Commons 
by Attribution 3.0 License. Stories by the Brother Grimm are in the public domain.